And Jesus, we are so grateful for the life you give us and that we get to live in uh, every moment of every day if we choose. And so we just uh, invite you into this place, into our lives, into this hour. Just be here, be here in big ways and, uh, and change us. Help us to be more like you. And if anybody's in the room that doesn't yet know what it means to be well and rightly connected to Jesus, we pray that the truth of the gospel would get through into their hearts and minds as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Pastor Jim. I am the executive pastor here at Cross Point. Pastor Bruce is on vacation. And uh, I want to say happy Independence Day. Well, yeah. Bigger, bigger. We live in an imperfect, but a great, great, amazing, outstanding, awesome nation. And it's my privilege to believe and to understand and hold fast to those words that are uttered uh, throughout our experience. God bless America. We, we are a God-blessed place. I do not take that lightly. I wish and pray and hope that none of us do. We are, we are blessed. And uh, may God continue. And uh, in view of our nation, I just wanted to voice a prayer and invite God um, to, to do exactly that. So God, we do. We need your blessings. Um, there are so many considerations in, uh, in America right now. Um, really, if we're honest, most of what goes on here is amazing. Not everything is. And we just pray for your blessing no matter what. And we want to be a grateful people. We want to be a blessing to this nation. And we can do that best by honoring you with our lives. So help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you have a handout. If you do, I, caught, I made a change in, the, in my notes, and I didn't indicate this last hour, but on the, ver- on the backside, how to make every day your Independence Day, which is what we're talking about today. Two is three, and three is two, so change those. Uh, you would have caught up anyway. But one of the things that's hard as uh, someone standing in for Pastor Bruce, whether it's me or anybody else, you have these kind of these big concepts that you want to share, and the temptation is to create like a seminar's worth of material, which is what I've done this morning. So over 20 pages of notes, I've tried to crystallize it down and help you out because what I want to help you figure out is how to make every day your Independence Day. In Jesus Christ, we are told that we have freedom. And I don't believe that that's momentary or eventful, that it's in our past, that it should be our daily experience. How would you define being free? When I was 12, I thought freedom meant being able to ride my bike to Westminster Mall by myself. Previously, before turning 12, I wasn't allowed to leave the confines of the tract that we lived in, but somehow it was miraculous. I don't know what happened. When I was 12, me and my friends were allowed to uh, ride to Westminster Mall. When I I was 20, I thought freedom was not having a curfew. You know, it was 10 o'clock on weekdays, midnight on the weekends, and then, you know, I got out of high school and things changed, and, you know, I could stay out. When I was 37 and I had five kids, three of which were in uh, diapers, I thought freedom was taking a nap every Sunday after church. 
So you ask 10 people what freedom really is, and you'll probably get 10 different responses. How would you measure freedom as a believer in Jesus Christ? When it comes to your faith and living it freely and, and being the kind of free person that the Bible says you might be, how would you measure that? One way to think about it might be is what was the most troubling thing in your week last week? We had something troubling. Everybody did at least one thing. What was the most troubling thing? What did you experience in your soul that caused you to worry, get angry, be anxious, treat others unkindly, be irritated or sad? Somehow less than ideal. What was that? Now think about how you responded to it. Were you free? Did you experience in your soul and display to others what would be truly recognized as freedom? Did you display love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faith, meekness, you know, power under control. Meekness is a a dad wrestling with his toddler son and doing it lovingly and not competitively. Self-control, the ability to subject your thinking, your emotions, your behavior to the will of God. Were these things on display in that moment in your last few days? If you know Jesus Christ, here's what I think your freedom should look like. It's in James 3, 17 through 18. There's other examples. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I love, I might, I might have picked this verse because the, the thing God's kind of been working into me the last few weeks, and my faith seems to go thematically where, you know, I need something, and that's kind of what I focus on for a while, and, hope and pray that it builds into me, is, is being peaceable. Is having a spirit that when I am challenged by conflict or irritation, that my response of one, is one of peace. It's not harsh and it's not angry and it's not irritable. It's peaceful. Or the fruits of the spirit that we read a second ago. Wouldn't your life full of love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control, if all of that was coming out of you to its full potential, wouldn't you consider that freedom? I would. And so today we're going to talk about what it takes to be free, how to make every day your independence day. And there's really, there might be three sermons here. So I want you to kind of stick with me and think about it. Like the first about two thirds is kind of introductory. It's kind of laying a foundation. And then the last third, we'll get down to the nitty gritty. And we're going to start by looking at three tiers to biblical freedom. Three elements that help us understand what the Bible says freedom is. Because most people would say that freedom is just me being able to do life my way. So the first tier would be from to or from slash to, from to freedom. 
You know, what's one of the best days of the year for pretty much anybody? Not necessarily, but even if, no matter how old you are, you can reflect back and think that one of the best days of any year is the last day of school. The last day of school, man, it's awesome. It's like the best. Freedom from homework, quizzes, tests, friends you don't get along with, teachers, and in my case, detentions. You're free from all of that to go run and play and ride your bike to Westminster Mall, whatever it is. <clears throat> for, the, for the Christ follower, there's so much that the Bible says we're freed from, but you're not just freed from, you're freed to. The biggest underlying thing that would just kind of be the arc over it all would be from death to life. Jesus says it many times in the gospels. You are freed from death to life. You are, before you know Jesus Christ, you are categorically in the spiritual world, you are dead. And when you come to Jesus Christ by faith and ask him to forgive your sins and be the Lord of your life, you are freed to live the Christ life and live in his power and his freedom. And it's awesome. But the Bible talks about being free from other things, from fear. You know what fear is rooted in? It's, it's rooted in wondering who's in charge or maybe thinking you are. But faith is rooted in knowing God is. We're freed from fear to faith. We're freed from insecurity to confidence. We're freed from the law, from the burden of having to perform to earn God's favor to grace where Jesus did the work for us. We're freed from being tethered by the past and looking forward to a glorious future with Jesus Christ. From confusion to assurance, from sin, guilt, and shame to forgiveness. We live in a sea of forgiveness when we know Jesus Christ. It's the air we breathe. breathe. Grace is our atmosphere. From despair to hope. From sin, death, and hell to goodness, life, in heaven. If you want to look at the Bible with new eyes, look for the things you're free from, but don't miss the things you're free to. Biblical freedom is awesome. From the day you get saved to the day you die, we are going to struggle with going in and out. My way of thinking, God's way of thinking. But freedom is us releasing ourselves to the life of Jesus, the life he's called us to live. But most people would say true freedom is having the power, fill in the blank, having the power to do, come on, what is it? Whatever I want to do. The world, the majority of the world would say that true freedom is the power to do whatever I want to do. That's a lie. True freedom is rooted in the power to do whatever you want, you ought to do, O-U-G-H-T, whatever you ought to do, whatever's good and right in God's eyes. That's where true freedom comes from. People want to do whatever they want and they call it freedom, but it has consequences. It creates feelings of insecurity, guilt, shame, regret, fear, potentially indifference, contempt for the world, all kinds of bad things. And doing whatever you want has a community impact just like doing whatever you ought to do does. There's a significant community impact when people do whatever they want. 
Last Saturday, uh, my friend Dan Jones from church here, who's just the, the hugest Dodgers fan that I know, and another friend, we went to a Dodgers game. And he was so excited. And we got there, we were, you know, traffic and everything. We were running a little bit late. And we made it in good enough time to make it into the, the stadium uh, until, oh, as we were walking, he said, watch, they're going to score the runs before we get in there. So we made it in time. We were heading for the stadium and we were looking good until, you probably guessed it already, the security check. We're standing in line. We're joking about they're going to score all these runs. The stadium's roaring. It's not a home run. You can tell the cheer didn't last long enough. A few seconds later, seconds. Run scores. We're still in line. Some ladies, I mean, this guy was so careful. He's checking every single thing in the bag. And so then, two runs. We get inside, it's two nothing. They didn't score again to the bottom of the ninth. Thankfully, they won. Why does, why, why am I standing? You know, as a kid, man, I used to walk right through. No problem, no line, no security line. Why? Because a few people in a few stadiums and a few cities decided they wanted to do whatever they want to do. And now the 35,000 people who might be headed in to Dodger Stadium pay the price. Same at the airport. You've been to the airport? They tell you, now think about this. This plane's going to take you like across the country in five hours. It takes you almost that long to get on the plane. <laughs> Why? Like you got to take your shoes off because of one guy. Were there more than one guy who tried the thing with the shoe? Whatever it is, it's just a few people not doing what they want, what they ought, only doing what they wanted to do. And it's taking away the freedom of the community. Freedom comes from doing, the, from doing what you ought to do. Bondage, on the other hand, we'll talk a minute about bondage. Bondage is a life lived under pressure to think and act by the dictates of any one of three harsh masters. Number one, you. You, the way you think about life. The way you want to do life. The way you want it to work out for your best understanding, your benefit, your pleasure, your control, your lack of anxiety and worry, or your anxiety and worry, your sadness, your irritability, your wounds. And we get stuck and we get just so wrapped up in me. And we wind up just like Paul who said, you know, the things I know I should do, I don't do. And the very things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. And James wrote about it. He called that being a double-minded man. And that a double-minded man who's thinking his way, God's way, his way, God's way, is unstable in all his ways. He's like a ship tossed on the sea. And it's anything but freedom. And it creates bondage. So do, number two, other people's opinions. Some people are dramatically tethered by the opinions of other people. It may be their parents, their spouses, their friends or the crowd, social media. I mean, 
People are living for hundreds or thousands of these from people they don't know. And they're addicted to this external approval that's meaningless. Your favorite news source may be an opinion you're paying attention to. Open up your Bibles to Colossians 2. What are your commitments in life? Do you, you make commitments, right? You think about, you know, if we were to sit down and discuss, you came up to my office and I said, hey, what are the four to seven things, man? You're just, you're holding on to these with just rigid resolve. You will not let go of these. The Bible tells us some of these things that should be part of our resolve. Verse eight, we're not going to read the whole thing. But I want you, like Pastor Bruce says, read slow. How do I read slow? I read slow. I know I'm reading slow if I have a pen. And I underline and I box and I circle and I highlight and I make, note, I make notes. Get your pen. Circle. See to it. Three words. Make a commitment. Have a resolve. Make a declaration. See to it. That no one, circle, underline, highlight, see to it, that no one takes you captive. The potential for bondage is in this verse. It's when someone, and you let them, takes you captive by philosophy. Big word, you know what it means? What you think. You could almost give a synonym of opinion. Almost. It's a little more informed by that, but I think it includes that. What somebody else thinks, an empty deceit, vain, vapid, pointless communication. See to it. Have a commitment that no author is going to take you captive, that no television celebrity, that no politician, that no newscaster is going to take you captive by the philosophy and empty deceit. See to it that nobody on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, is going to take you captive. The potential exists or it wouldn't be there. Is that a commitment? That needs to be our commitment. See to And I love this verse. It's like a cornerstone verse of our family. A cornerstone verse. There are so many messages. There are so many outlets. There are so many things you can listen to and hear. And Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Paul says in Galatians, that if I'm pleasing man, if I, if I was committed to being a person who pleases man, I would not be pleasing God. We're in bondage to our selfish self. We're in bondage to other people's opinion. We're in bondage to circumstances out of our control. And this is a hard one. Because this is something that's common to everybody really every day. And some of these circumstances can be really troubling. And I know that. And if you're in a struggle time right now, I don't want to discount that at all. So in a somewhat technical sense, I want you to hear, 
Because I know, life can be hard. And it was hard for John the Baptist. There's a great little book, if you're suffering, great little book called, by Gene Edwards called A Prisoner in the Third Cell. And the basic premise is this. If John the Baptist, the prisoner in the third cell, if John the Baptist, who Jesus Christ said was the greatest man to ever walk the planet, suffered a gruesome, grim, unjust death at the hands of the Romans, shouldn't we also expect that we might suffer? Paul suffered. There's almost a whole chapter about it in 2 Corinthians. Obviously, Jesus Christ suffered. Hebrews 11 is loaded with people. We call them heroes of the faith, and they did nothing but suffer and then triumph every now and then. And so I'm, I'm sympathetic. I care. I'm sorry. Life's hard. It's been hard on me in ways that you, people in here have no idea. It's hard on all of us. It's confusing. It's scary. Sometimes it's unfair. But at the end of the day, in Jesus Christ especially, you're in charge of you. Your response, your thinking, your gratitude, you're in charge of you. I love the quote from Chuck Swindoll. It's a great quote. I believe it. I don't live it perfectly. I'm a fellow struggler. But he said that life is 10% what happens and 90% how you respond to it. These things will create bondage. Freedom doesn't mean you don't have problems. Freedom means you handle them in Christ. Number three, third tier of your biblical freedom is living up to your full potential in Christ. Your full potential, not a thimbleful. Don't treat them like that exercise equipment sitting barely used in your garage. That whatever it is out there has the potential to change you physically. And you go to it sometimes and you get a good run and then you're off and then you take a big old long break and then you're telling yourself over and over, I need to do that, I know I, know I need to do that. Christ isn't interested in that. He's blessed you to, to live so much more than what I think we understand and believe. However you find yourself in that fruit of the spirit, I, I'd encourage you to score yourself on that. I was gonna take the time to, to have you go one to 10 on each one of those fruit. But however you think about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, self-control. How are you doing scale of one to 10 in every single one of those? Are you, for you, your full potential, not Jim's potential, not Bruce's or Emma's or Noah's or Mike's, anybody who's been on stage today, nobody, your full potential. Christ calls you to fullness in the fruit of the spirit. How about John 10, 10? He doesn't have a thimble full of life for you. He says that I, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Not, not, a, not a glass that's half full or three quarters full or even 98% full to the fullest. In fact, to overflowing. Jesus called you into that. He promises you abundant life, but are you living it? Do you have that freedom flowing through you? Are you living according to your full potential? John 8, turn with me there. 
Jesus is speaking, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, live in, are saturated in, are surrounded by my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, he's being emphatic. Everyone who practices sin is a slave. They're in bondage. The slave does not remain in the house forever. He doesn't abide in Jesus Christ. The son abides forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed, we don't say indeed almost never around here. It's a website where you can get a job. Free indeed. Free to the fullest. Free. Paul prayed in Philippians 3.10. He hadn't achieved it yet. He prayed that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Is that the power of our lives? Is that what's flowing through us? Life, not, not events, but moments connected to one another to form hours and days and weeks and years and seasons. Life. Jesus Christ set us free to put our full faith in him, to experience this awesome, abundant life, to experience freedom, to be, are you free today? Are you free? Because we're talking about how to make every day your independence day. In Jesus. And so here's what we need to remember. 24 7, 365, for the rest of your life, you need to understand your freedom in Christ hinges on one thing. One thing, truth. Your freedom in Christ hinges on one thing, truth. When you know the truth, the truth will what? And whoever is set free by the truth is free indeed to the fullest, to the max. Jesus' intention for you is not to experience that once a year or twice a year. He wants it for you all day, every day. What is truth? Truth is principles from God that are universally true for all people in all places at all times. But truth is actually two things. Truth is number one, scripture. Your Bible, this word, not the pages, not the ink, not the leather cover, the living word, scripture, the documented collective full truth of Christ's Godhood, personhood, character, behavior, purposes for your life, redemption, and mission in the world, scripture. Number two, though, truth as a person. Did you know that? Did you know truth as a person? Your freedom hinges on truth and truth is a person. John 1:17, before the New Testament was written, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and what? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, the, and the life. Truth is a person. I think sometimes we look at the Bible like it's a baseball card or some kind of almanac. It's letters on a page, it's stats, it's details, it's information. 
It's data, the word of God as a person. It's living and powerful and active. It's a personal and relational love letter from God to us, and it has our best in mind. Think about it this way. When you see truth, you see Jesus. But it's also true that when you see Jesus, you see truth. When you study truth, you know Jesus, as long as you're not looking at ink on a page. When you study Jesus, you know truth. When you obey truth, you follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you obey truth. For us to live every day like it's our Independence Day, we have to embrace truth for what it is. It's scripture, it's a person, and it changes your life. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Your full and complete freedom hinges entirely on, on truth. How to make every day your Independence Day? Number one, you have to rely on truth. Turn over to Ephesians 6, where we're told we're in a spiritual battle and we're told how to handle it. Starting in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, I think it's worth underlining or circling, all, to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and what holds it all together, just like your outfit is the belt the belt of truth. We used to play inline hockey all over the place and inline hockey pants are these big wide pants that have to fit over, you know, if you're wearing padded girdle and your shin guards and your skates and and so you need a belt. And I was in a game or getting ready for a game and one of one of our teammates his belt broke or he didn't have a belt, I can't remember which it was, but he was not ready to play. Could you imagine if he tried, you know, never girdle on the pad like pants falling down. No, it's, no, it's not going to work. Can't skate, can't shoot, can't pass, can't receive a pass, can't do things you do in hockey. Why? Because the belt holds it all together. It has impact beyond just around the waist. And the belt of truth has impact beyond just around the waist. It's holding the stuff together. And the truth holds it all together. You've got to rely on truth. James says, like I mentioned earlier, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You have to rely on truth. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, every Christian student, your book, favorite verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We love that part. But maybe we go too fast over the next line and lean not on your own understanding. My understanding is when the guy doesn't signal in front of me and I'm confused about why he's putting his brakes on, like, what the heck are you doing, dummy? That's my understanding, and it's sin. I'm not at peace. And when it comes to interacting with people in relationship and interacting with the church and interacting with the world, we're tempted. We want to do things our own way. We want to do whatever we want to do. We want to lean on our own understanding. 
Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So you can acknowledge yourself or you can acknowledge God. You're gonna pick one or the other. We have, if we wanna be free, if we wanna make every day our independence day, we have to rely on the truth. Number two, we're gonna follow the truth as a guide. The word of God is your map. And maps are living. They give life to what you're trying to do. They give security and freedom. I have a son named Jacob. He's our fifth born, and he's a free-spirited, awesome kid. So he came home from Hume Lake. He served up there for a week working with high school students. Came home. He was home maybe 45 minutes because he was packing for a road trip to Massachusetts to go to a friend's wedding. So boom, boom, bing, bam. We're like, what are you doing? Uh, On one hand, on the other, we're going, this is awesome. Got a text from him right before church started. Hey, we made it to Salt Lake City safely. We spent the night on an outdoor basketball court at an elementary school. (laughs) That sounds like freedom in a certain sense, right? But what's comforting to me as a parent and my wife and the brothers and for them in the car is they have a map. The map gives life. It gives freedom for somebody who's trying to get from Southern California to Massachusetts in a, in a little Toyota SUV. The word is a map, but, it, but Jesus is your pattern. You can turn to Ephesians 4.15 if you want. That'd be great. It's only a page back from where we just left off. And what it tells us One, two, three, four, five, six. Six words. Like if you just took these six words and meditated on them for a half hour today or just thought about them all week long, it'd change your life. Because what we're told to do there is to grow up into every way into Christ. What? Like every way? Be like Christ? Yeah. Grow up in every way into Christ. Grow up every way into Christ. Every way. He's your pattern. Like that's your vision for living is holding out Christ. It's like Hebrews 12. It's like Philippians 3. It's Christ is out there and that's your pattern. You look at him and you say, I want to be like that. We rely on truth. Okay, we're going to follow it. We're going to grow up into every way like Christ. We're going to grow up every way to be like Christ. How do you make every day your Independence Day? You rely on truth. You follow truth. Number three, you implant truth. Like transplant is maybe how we understand that word better. You take a plant that's over here in this environment and you put, and it's living And you put it over here in this environment so it comes alive there. So it lives and flourishes and bears fruit there. Implant. Implant this here. Implant the word of God in your life. Therefore, James says in James 1, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, we deceive ourselves when we go our own way. 
but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own seers. How are you a doer and not just a hearer? You implant. The Bible becomes more than ink on a page, more than stats, more than data, more than academic knowledge. It becomes life. Turn to 2 Timothy 2. We're going to implant truth because it's scripture. It's like a script. It's, it's a script for your life. And you got a pen and you're paying attention, reading slow the word of God, right? Because you've read this before. In the ESV, 2 Timothy 2.15, circle these first three words. Do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best. Underline, rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best. Your best might be better than mine. Your best might not be as, well, as good as someone else's. It's do your best. I have a Bible college background. Maybe it's not as good as me. I teach the scripture. Do your best. It doesn't say do Jim's best, do Bruce's best, do Gregory's best, do Byron's best. Do your best. Are you doing your best to present yourself to God, not to anybody else because that's bondage? A worker who has no need to be ashamed. What in the world does that mean? I found an example. It it helps me. I hope it helps you. I think it's perfect. I like movies, and one of the best movies that came out a couple years ago, in my opinion, was a a movie called Green Book. And one of the co-stars is portrayed by Viggo Mortensen, who played Aragon in The Lord of the Rings. He's a Dutchman. He's playing a New York Bronx Italian in in the 60s. And here's an interview. How much weight did you gain for this role? And did you enjoy the process? Part of his answer. And so my technique, which was a horrible thing to do health-wise, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, was to have a big meal with dessert or a couple of desserts just before going to bed. You're not supposed to do that. That was the only way I could keep my weight at that level. It was like a gain of 40 or 45 pounds. Anybody here? Choose. Hey, giddy up. I'm going to put on 40 to 45 pounds. But that was just one part. I wasn't just eating, but also lifting weights and having a certain body type of bulky body because it was right for the character. You gained weight, but how did you get the essence of Tony Lip, he's asked. The trickier part was getting the voice, tone, body language down. I didn't want to, commit, uh, I didn't want to do a caricature. He's an actor portraying a real person for two hours for some money and the approval of people. And his commitment is because it was right for the character. I didn't want to do a caricature. And I'm hearing that and I'm going, God, do I do my life because it's right for your character? Do I present a caricature of who you are that's freakish and deformed or amusing or sad? I didn't want to do a caricature, he said. For a movie role, he put on 40 to 45 pounds. For a movie role, he took a script and implanted it in his life. 
We have to rely on truth. We got to follow truth. We have to implant truth to make every day our independence day. And at the end of the day, it's your choice. People don't make you irritated. People don't make me irritated. What's inside me comes out. And if I'm irritated, it's, it's, it's my fruit. It's the fruit of Jim. I want to be peaceful. I want to submit me to God, my way to God's way. It's a choice. And I have to make it in every moment, in every day, in every season. I don't have permission not to be grateful. I don't have permission not to be loving. I don't have permission to be bitter. There's not permission. Humanly, there might be permission. There might be endorsement. There might be all kinds of things, thinking about how the world tries to take us captive by philosophy and empty deceit. But the word of God comes to me and says, live by truth. It's your choice. It's my choice to rely on truth, to follow truth, to implant the truth. Will you make today and every day your independence day? It's your choice. My freedom, my encouragement, my opportunity to live truly free came into my life when I was 16 years old and I turned it over to Jesus. I said, I can't do this. You know the way. You are the way. You're the truth. You're the life. I need you. And I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, and he did. And I'm not I'm so far from perfect. But I've lived a few years trying, longing, desiring to live a life of freedom. And as I think about and I've thought about this for years, what a life of freedom looks like at the end. It's like Paul saying, I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've run, I've finished the race. That's a life lived to freedom. Was Paul perfect? Nope. But his attention and his affection was focused on Christ always. He was a truth-oriented guy who was determined to get the most out of the freedom that's found only in Jesus Christ. Because when you know the truth, and truth is a person, you will be set free. So Jesus, there is no good way to fully understand or appreciate the fullness we have in Christ outside of understanding, understanding truth and then choosing by faith to do what it tells us to do. And we have to be reliant on it and follow it and implant it in spite of our own understanding. So help us to do that. We're weak, we're broken, we're hurt, we're wounded. We got hurts and hangups and habits that interfere, but we want more. We want that full potential. We want the abundant life. We want to be free indeed. We can't be any of those things without you. Lord, there, I said at the beginning, and I'll say it again, there's people potentially in this crowd who don't yet know Jesus Christ, and it is the heart's desire of this church family 
It's leadership and its entire body that people who don't know you would turn their lives over. So if there's anybody in the room, I'm going to pray for you in a second, but if there's anybody in the room who doesn't know Jesus Christ and you're curious so much so that you need to know, you'll be wise enough to follow up. Please fill out a connection card and say, I'd like to talk to a pastor about my salvation because I or any of the other pastors here would love to talk to you face to face about what the Bible says and about how Jesus loves you and how Jesus saves you, forgives you, and promises you a home in heaven. Man, if you want that, we want to help you find it. So God, just work and move and bless according to your truth. And where we're weak, make us strong. Where we're confused, give us clarity. And if nothing else, just help us to make the commitment to live our lives oriented to your truth so that we can have an Independence Day every day. And we thank you for it. It's awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.